0: Good morning to you, baseball people. It is a Saturday morning in October, and it feels like fall because both of the baseball team's seasons are done. I'm Matt Spiegel, and he is Bruce Levine. Good morning, Bruce.
1: Good morning, Matt, and uh, I can hear it in your voice, the disappointment that uh, what was once uh, a postseason where everybody in Chicago, every baseball fan was looking forward to an extended run for their team's It's over just like that. And just like that occurred in uh, three days for both teams. Uh, We are going to get into that. We're going to get into the Cubs and White Sox seasons in total. We're going to get into a postseason and where uh, what teams are going. But more importantly, this is your show. Matt and I uh, can be contacted at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 67011. We'll read all that's worthy on the air. Uh, As you know, this is a baseball show that's on 52 weeks out of the year. So we will be with you all winter long talking baseball and what will be the season of 2021. But today it's all about Cubs, White Sox, their seasons and their quick outs in the postseason.
0: We knew all year long, Bruce, that these two teams were in very different spots in their life cycle. The Cubs trying to hold on to uh, a winning window trying to hold on for what everyone, including them, openly perceived as a possible last dance for the core players. Meanwhile, the White Sox on the way up, were they ready? Are they ready to compete? And they proved that they were uh, ready to compete and contend. So they felt different, these narratives, these storylines all year long. So I guess we shouldn't be surprised that as they both leave in, uh, in the first round here, the exits feel very different, too don't they?
1: Yeah, they do. And, and you know, what's going to be really fascinating, Matt, and, and I think people in baseball are going to be concentrating a lot on this, is from a 60-game season, if you're an owner, if you're a general manager, if you're a president of baseball operations, how much credence do you put into how you feel about your team today, if it's advanced to the playoffs and out or still continuing on, or a team that was That didn't make it. In in other words, what type of validation do you give the 2020 season as to how you build and rebuild and assess your team? Because I think that's going to be the fascinating thing to me as we watch uh, baseball in the uh, after postseason and watch uh, the general manager meetings uh, virtually, the winter meetings virtually, and how. Uh, general managers and baseball people set up their teams and uh, how tough they are on the individuals. Uh, how, how, much, how much credence you put into a good play by a, team, by a player that maybe didn't have that before. Uh, can you count on 60 games equating uh, what you're going to get from these players over 162? I, I think that's going to be the fascinating thing that we take out of 2020.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting, and immediately what jumps to mind as you talk about that, Bruce, is if you're the Cubs, do you believe that Javier Baez would have refound himself over the course of 100 regular season games that did not get played? Or would he have been this chaotic um, offensive presence swinging for the fences with virtually every at-bat that he was during the regular season and the playoffs? Would Chris Bryant have found himself? And if you're a GM in and out-of-town team an out-of-town organization do you look at the seasons of those two guys and say I'm not going to worry about that I would still engage in trade talks because I'll look at the body of work and what they actually have done for their entire career those kind of conversations are going to be fascinating
1: yes they will and you pointed out something that uh that is is something that's going to happen it's already happening with teams that are out of the playoffs Uh, looking towards 2021. And then uh, equaling that is what type of revenue source do we have? What type of revenue stream do we have? Can we afford to pick up an $18 million contract? Can we afford to pick up a $12 million contract? Uh, Can we afford to pick up those contracts uh, knowing that uh, these particular players are going to be free agents after one year? And that's where we're at with the Cubs and White Sox players right now. Uh, Bryant, Rizzo, Schwarber, Baez. All free agents after 2021. It's here. Uh, so these are these are going to be the uh, the interesting focuses of uh, of the, the teams uh, going into after the 2020 season. Again, three one two six four four six seven six seven. Your thoughts on your teams and their and your teams going forward after 2020
0: let's listen to david ross talk about the offense this is the big issue there are other things to discuss obviously the bullpen although craig kimbrell's reclamation is one of the better stories uh truth be told of the 2020 season i have questions as to why the corners were playing in with two outs and men on first and second yesterday bruce but you know, uh, the, the big question is is certainly the offense. So let's listen to David Ross talk about the offense really for the entire year. He might as well be talking about these two playoff games in which they scored one run on an Ian Hap home run. But uh, this is Ross on the offense never really getting in gear. This season in general is, is unique if you look around the league and we just never really got going. You know, I, I never thought we really hit our stride offensively. We had some spurts there for a moment. These guys are going to the offseason and work and try to be better going into next year. But it uh, just felt like we could never never really get going this year. We never came around to, to really swing the batch, Had some spots there. Just, you know, a lot of these guys, just uncharacteristic of who they are, you know, who, who we've seen for a long time. I think there's a lot of guys that we just never felt like they showed up to be who they were offensively. And um, it wasn't for lack of effort or work or concentration. And these guys were, were really trying hard. I just couldn't find it. All right. So here's the question. Was there not enough time? Like, did they never show up to what they were? The numbers would would back that up. But stylistically, in terms of the kind of struggles that they've had, it feels very similar, Bruce. It feels similar to struggles we um, knew to expect at some point from these Cubs hitters as a collective. So 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 where are you in this? Is, Is Ross right? That they just kind of never found it, or is is this what they are to some extent?
1: I I don't know about the, the I, can't, I can't go collective on on players even though there was uh the the group didn't hit at all you know uh, I mean you, you have David Bodie leaving leading this team over sixty games uh, with twenty nine RBI you have Ian Happ as the second uh, top run producer you have uh you know you have the guy that's questioned, been questioned the most about his offense over the last three, four, five years, and that's uh, Jason uh, Hayward having a, a very good year and uh, being productive even into uh, the last game yesterday, having a big hit to to try to keep the team in it. So uh, the, the, the upside down of the <laughs> hitters is, is interesting, but I think you have to analyze each... For, for what it is and who he is. You have Bryant, who, had, who dealt with a myriad of different injuries uh, over this season. As a matter of fact, collectively compounding that, uh, injuries over his last three or four years that have contributed most likely to not being the player that he had been in 2016. Uh, you have uh, Rizzo, who uh, you know, hit for power at certain times, but didn't hit for average. You have a situation with Schwarber, uh, like uh, Baez, who, uh, you know, the strikeouts were more impactful than the, the big hits. So um, I think, I don't, I don't know if you can do the collective, why did they uh, Why did they fail? And is it Anthony Iaposi and the hitting people's uh, problem? And why didn't they get more out of him? I don't know. I don't know if we can go there. I think you have to analyze each and, and give each its its own time to figure out why. I, I think generally, fans feel collectively they failed, and there must be a reason for it. Theo mm-hmm. Epstein will address this on Monday uh, with his usual probably 60 to 70-minute session with the media. Unfortunately, over the last three years, it's been a disappointing end. But I don't know if you call 2020 disappointing when you... Consider the Cubs won their division. Um, you know, it, it, were they a good team all year? No. I mean, all year was 60 games. They were a uh, under 500 team, Matt. After the 13 and 3 start, okay. So uh, that was average to below average after the really hot start. But you know, again, uh, are you disappointed in a year when they win the division? Because you always expect more from a team that won a World Series four years ago.
0: Well, um, after the thirteen and three start, they never really looked like a very good team, and the division has had four teams in, and they're all done. But Mm -hmm. so it's it's tricky. But let me let me counter for a moment what what you're what you're saying in terms of the collective. I remember the moment when they lost in L.A. in the regular season, Bruce, in 2018, um, when people said, oh, I think we now know how to get the Cubs out. And remember it was high fastballs and a 12 to 6 curveball or a spike slider or a changeup, something dropping from that high fastball tunnel. And I, f- I think so many of them in this lineup are gettable in that same way. So it does feel like a collective to me because it's a launch angle revolution that then gets countered by this high fastball and the and the and the, the slower stuff that breaks. And they've gone through hitting coach after hitting coach and different approach, and they've just never really been able to pick it up. This is the 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 collective stat that that I keep coming back to is is Baez Bryant and Rizzo in the postseason since 2016 are a combined 19 for 141 for a 134 mm-hmm. batting average 51 strikeouts six walks in those 141 at bats I guess there's 147 plate appearances but th- that is a collective failure in the postseason and all these fastballs we're seeing from the marlins i feel like teams know how to get them out and the cubs just can't seem to counter it high velocity up in the strike zone and and they seem gettable as a group
1: well but in those and and, you know good points that you make but during those regular seasons you saw their their regular production and you saw uh, really outstanding years, so uh you know breaking down whether these are players that are uh, are going to have seasons like this again uh rather than just looking at the post season mm-hmm. uh, I think that's what that's what you look at as to whether you want to continue to uh to have these guys on your team and whether you, more importantly you offer them uh extensions short or long uh to be a part of what you're 2021 and on clubs are going to be. I, I think, you know, postseason is, is, is totally separate. Uh, you know, do you feel comfortable saying that Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant will have their normal seasons going into next year and beyond? I think that's where the, you decide whether or not uh, they want you want them to be on your team any longer. You want them to be a part of the mix. Uh, You want them to be a part of your future. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I understand. I I think when the better pitchers become the opposition who throw harder and then they throw more fastballs yesterday Sixto Sanchez threw a higher percentage of fastballs than he had in any start all year because they know how to go after these guys I think it's I think they need to diversify the lineup every year whether they bring in Daniel Murphy or Castellanos or those kind of guys that you know you hope for zobris to come back as we were for one of the years it's you're looking for those different kind of hitters I think they need, to add those kind of hitters somehow some way for the regular season um, and the post season. But you know, it, yeah, it's go- I, I think, the, yeah, go ahead. I mean,
1: go ahead and finish.
0: You know, I, I just, I, I think it's going to be, it feels like the same kind of post season issue they've been facing for the last two years. And for whatever reasons, be that financially or the difficulty in moving some of these guys, because you want to make sure you get value and, And, and you love them because of what they brought in 2016. I think it's going to be another very difficult off season to make decisions and, and they might not be able to make them. They might not be able to move some of these guys, right? Could be a weird environment for that.
1: The other point is, which I brought up to Rizzo uh, in his post game yesterday was, is change a bad thing. In other words, would some of these players embrace going somewhere else? Now, Chris Bryant uh, talked about the fact and and Baez went into length yesterday about saying, I can't imagine going anywhere else and being treated as well as being I've been treated here and having the facilities and the support of management and ownership that I have here. So he was I mean, it it was it was basically a, a commercial saying how important it is for him to stay here and how much he's loved. Uh, being a part of this, but uh, would uh, Rizzo, would a Bryant, would a Schwarber embrace going somewhere else at this point? I mean, are they worn down by the 2016? Is there too much weight on each individual player where, as you said, there need to, needs to be an influx of other players to come in and help them win games uh, going forward?
0: Let's listen to Anthony Rizzo answer your question uh, yesterday, Bruce, after the game on the inevitability of roster change. I'm not sure. I'm not so early. Who knows where the game's going to go, where this country's going to go, where life's going to go. Baseball next year seems so far away right now. But, you know, the winter meeting's going to come and go, the GM meetings, the World Series, all all these significant dates. And I'm sure, I mean, I know for a fact Mr. Ricketts wants to put a winning team on this field, and we, our fans deserve it. The city deserves it, and we have a lot of guys in this clubhouse that have helped us win and can continue to help us win. So I know Theo and, and everyone, top to bottom, will be
2: putting the best product on the field and doing what's best for this organization.
0: You posed the question, Bruce, and, and we have other guys uh, answering it about the awkwardness and possible inevitability of change. We've got callers on the line, too. Should we take a break and come back and, and talk to the people's?
1: I think so. Yes, indeed.
0: All right, 312-644-6767. If you want to hop in on the phone, that is the same number to text us at as well. Ron Coomer is going to talk Cubs with us at the top of the hour. Lots of White Sox conversation to go, including Ricky Renteria's future, and you'll hear from some of those players after the loss in Oakland. It's Inside the Clubhouse. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel on 670 The Score. The 1-2 pitch from Kinsler Tobias. Strike three called on the outside. Corner out number one. We're competing against the other team and uh, against our struggle you know, and, and it was hard. And, you know, it's, it's not an excuse because
1: we were trying everything we, we could the whole season and, you know, we didn't get hot. Like, Tommy didn't get hot. I didn't get hot. Schwarber didn't get hot. It's something that we were trying. We were trying and we were trying and it just kept going back for us. And there's it's there's no excuse. We we compete and we, we give everything we had. It just didn't go away.
0: It's Javier Baez talking about the Cubs players Competing not just against the opposition, but competing against their own struggles—it's insightful stuff. Matt Spiegel here, Bruce Levine. What do you think of Javi talking about it like that yesterday?
1: Well, you and I compete against our own struggles every Saturday, don't we? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and lose and lose. Sometimes we're we're doing it against each other, but <laughs> mostly collectively, don't you think? So, uh, from from that perspective, I think you hear the emotion in him, you know, saying that. We're out of answers here, pal. Uh, 60 games, you know, uh, basically 150 at-bats. You know, we're talking about a season that, if it was uh, put into a a regular baseball season, would only be going up to uh, June 1st, you know, April, May. That's what we just saw as a whole season here in 2020. So how much credence do you want to put into that? How Mm. much uh, stress, how much... uh, Of your future, do you want to depend upon uh, this sample size of games to project who you have here? I mean, we're talking a year ago, uh, before Javier Baez hurt himself and had a a a bad second half, about one of the top players, maybe the top seven or eight players in the National League. Do you still look at him that way after uh, sixty games of uh, failure offensively? In 2020, uh, that's, that's the answer that um, Theo Epstein have, has to come up with. That's the answer Tom Ricketts has to come up with if uh, Mr. Epstein goes to him and says, hey, we were close to a five-year, $150 million deal with Baez before the pandemic hit. Are we going to continue on in that way mm. with uh, Javier Baez, one of the top shortstops uh, in the game of baseball?
0: I, um, I, I personally... I am extremely disappointed um, with what was the season and the postseason performance. I just swing in the full swing, the full swing for the fences all the time, including when Sandy Alcantara is, is just blowing you away, including yesterday when they have that 48 pitch two inning stretch against Sixto Sanchez. Baez, after the Hayward single, when Contreras is out, it's been a long inning for 6-0. He walked two guys. The first two pitches are full, gigantic swings. What happened to the Javi? Even the 2016 Javi in the playoffs against San Francisco, that great comeback when he and Contreras both shortened up and hit for contact, these little singles to make that rally happen. What happened to that guy situationally? I feel like he doesn't exist anymore. At all. And it, it, Again, I, don't, uh, I don't know what to do with that guy.
1: Yeah, Matt, what do you what do? You do? So, so Matt Spiegel is now yeah. the president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs. It's about, it's about time. He knows that Baez was one of the top players in the game up until this year, okay? Mm-hmm. You, see, uh, you see a player uh, out there talking about the fact that uh, the lack of video for the uh, players is impactful. We've seen it all over baseball that that happens to be true. We, we've seen the fact that um, uh, the hitting lab just didn't, wasn't there for these guys this year. No matter uh, how, how many great metrics people and how many, how many uh, formulas they have, it just didn't equate in this short season. So with that said, again, do you go back and is this the Javier Baez of the previous year as you analyze giving him a long-term contract? Or is he somebody that you can't relate to any longer?
0: No, I I use all those qualifiers, all those legitimate qualifiers, and I think the video did affect him, um, but I use all those legitimate qualifiers to make the case in trade conversations, and I entertain those trade conversations, because a big part of why you want to invest in a Javier Baez is the fan allure, the fan relationship, and the draw, but you're going to have a modified attendance next year. You're going to be looking at a, a greatly reduced attendance less next year. So that, th- that becomes less important and just everybody's up. You're not going to be able to keep everybody and you might not be able to keep at least two of them. You might trade one of them. Let's say you trade Baez in this off season. You might start the year with Bryant and still end up trading him by the deadline. There's it's a, uh, it's in a very, very tough spot that they're in. And, and if, and if it were me, if I was president, you just named me president, I am bringing yes. Javier Baez's profile to me in the winter meetings and, and seeing what I can get.
1: Well, yeah, and, and I think that's that's prudent, and that would be the, the right move. But, uh, again, let's say you, you do come up with this uh, final verdict. You're you're only trading them for one-year contract control.
0: Mm-hmm. You're right. Who's, right. who, who's
1: going to trade top young players for – a one-year contract control. They're going to wait for him to become a a free agent and and try to sign him themselves. You know, I, I think I think the totality of the player is missed here. Uh, one of the best defensive shortstops in the game, uh, only 27 years old. Uh, this is a this is going to be a guy that will eventually turn it around. But uh, I I understand your your thought process on the 60-game season. I I understand your frustration. I understand Cub fans' frustration. But can you isolate those 60 games and move on with, a, with, a, with an idea that this is still a $30 million shortstop?
0: Let's uh, let's go to the phone lines, and uh, we will talk plenty of White Sox throughout the course of this show as well. First up, though, it's Mike in Frankfort, Michigan. Mike, you're on Inside the Clubhouse with me and Bruce Levine. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, guys. Uh, two quick thoughts. First of all, I want to say thanks to Major League Baseball and the Players Association For pulling this off, 60 games was better than nothing, and I loved this season. Bruce, as to the Sox, should Sox fans be worried that Han made so many mistakes on what I would call the tier two free agent signings? Just about each guy they spotted failed. How do we look at that going forward? Is they have to obviously keep building for next year?
1: Okay. Uh, thanks for your call. Well, Matt, um, I, I don't know. I, I guess you know some of the free agents uh, haven't worked out for them, but um, in totality, uh, I think Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams have set up a, a, a team to be admired for the future, don't you? I mean, yeah, there's, I, I, there's I, I a tremendous you, amount of talent on that team that they've sure. traded for. Uh, the international market, you can't say they've failed in free agents with uh, Jose Abreu and Luis Robert, as far as uh, free agents that, I mean, those are, would you like to have a Luis Robert's future? I mean, I, I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think we're looking at a potentially a superstar player here. So no matter how much he struggled in September, I, I think we're looking at uh, talented guys, but uh, you know, I understand the caller's idea that, uh, you know, they, they made mistakes in the past with free agents, but uh, you know, right now, I think uh, people should be pretty happy with how the roster's set up.
0: I mean, let, let, let's go through them. Um, Steve Ciszek. OK, that didn't work out. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Edwin Encarnacion. OK, very, very disappointing year. They've got an yep. option year on him. I think they probably won't pick that up. Um, you know, Dallas Keuchel. Phenomenal yeah. year. Phenomenal yeah. year. I, One I know you top pitchers uh, you're, in the league. Yeah, so you're unhappy with the postseason start. I get it, but he had a terrific season and is is going to age gracefully uh, with that stuff. Um, Yasmani Grandal. Disappointing defensively at times, disappointing start offensively, but lots of big hits along the way and a a, a big, a big veteran presence. You you don't look at that as, as, as a failure. So I think, I think it's, if anything, it's a mixed bag with a, with a couple of, uh, of upsides on the free agents. I spent Gio Gonzalez as well. um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Gio Gonzalez is, is, is uh, yeah. you, You call that a miss when he doesn't even end up on the playoff roster. Nomar Mazara was was a trade, a worthy flyer. By the end of the year, he had been he had a pretty good playoff and a pretty good end of the regular season as a contact guy and not really a power guy. I don't, you know, I suspect that they'll move on there. What, what kind of free agent targets you think you're looking at? A starting pitcher for the White yeah, Sox?
1: Absolutely, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Matt is uh, one more veteran starting pitcher. So that the growth chart of Dunning, the growth mm-hmm. chart of, um, of Cease. Cease, the growth chart of maybe uh, Michael Kopek when he comes back, the growth chart of Crochet, uh, th- those are all things they need. They need some time. Player development needs time. And uh, to buy yourself some time and and have a an idea that you can run further into the playoffs next year, I think – a, a starting pitcher like a Keikel, if they're available out there, would be ideal via either trade or free agency.
0: How about? I'll get, let me give you a couple names. Um, Trevor Bauer is going to get a lot of money, but he only wants a one-year deal. That's what he says that he's doing. So Trevor Bauer's out there. That would be fascinating. Uh, Marcus Stroman is uh, is another guy who's out there. Taiwan Walker just went to Toronto. Um, Masahiro Tanaka, free agent, Jake Odorizzi, some interesting names out mm-hmm. there. Yeah,
1: and, and if you can get them on short-term, uh, none of them would be awful, okay? Uh, just to have their veteran presence and know that you can have some guys that can uh, give fill up some innings for you, throw 150 to 175. That's what we're looking for in the future. The, yes. the 200-inning pitcher is obsolete. Uh, that's not going to be happening very much anymore, not with the advent of uh, bullpens and people coming in in the fifth and sixth inning from the bullpen. So uh, you're not asking for, uh, you know, guys that throw 200, no, no, bum gardeners and people like that throwing 250. You're looking for 150, and that that would be a supplement for Cease and Dunning and Kopech to start building their own innings and their own careers.
0: Let's go out of Kevin in Palatine. Kevin, you're on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and me, Matt Spiegel, on the score. Good morning, Kevin.
2: Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, there's no way I'm giving a long term deal to Bryant or Baez. I would hesitantly pick up the option on Rizzo. But Bruce, you said, you know, these guys have a great regular season. But as Matt so eloquently pointed out, and it was sprayed all over Twitter yesterday, these guys haven't hit in the playoffs in four years. So I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what is wrong with Bryant, but Matt, you brought it up multiple times. Something happened in his power. And it's great that he went on and made his little curse word thing on Twitter, but he was the same guy in those two playoff games. But, but here's what I really want to talk about. Bruce, what can Theo say Monday? Just replay the same tape from three years. We've heard October starts in April. We've heard a reckoning is coming. And what do we get mm-hmm. for this great reckoning? We got Daniel yep. freaking so. He hasn't done the damn thing because he's painted this team into a corner. Now, here's what I would do. Start Al Pelé next year. I love John Lester. He gave us every nickel he was worth. He can't come back. He is done. So put that guy in there. And then fix the most egregious error if you can get Ricketts to spend any money, which they haven't done in two off-seasons, and get D.J. LeMahieu. Fix the biggest mistake, which there are many, that CEO it's done. But to be honest with you, I don't care what he has to say Monday because he's flapped his jaw for three years and he keeps wow. putting the same team up there. So any words that he says tomorrow, unless he's talking about major changes, but he keeps threatening it, but he doesn't do it. There's been no reckoning. There's been nothing. Thanks, been Kevin.
0: Great- C- Kevin, thank you. That, that Lots of... That's lots good, of good strong call. I, I love the passion, don't you? Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I
1: mean, look... uh it is going to be fascinating to hear what Theo has to say because last year at this time, we were talking about uh, they were talking about needing a change of direction from the leadership, and Joe Madden was not asked back. David Ross was supplanted. David Ross, by all calculations that you can look at here, uh, prior to the postseason, you, you have to say he did a, a phenomenal job of keeping these guys together, of uh, put of pulling the right uh, levers when he could of getting uh, the most out of a team that didn't hit at all and and winning the division. Uh, although a flawed division, as you pointed out earlier, with all the Central Division teams in both the American and uh, National League now gone uh, from the playoffs. So, uh, again, it's going to be fascinating to hear Theo. And it's also going to be fascinating to hear what uh, Theo's future is like with one year left on a contract and uh, mm-hmm. where he goes or where, whether he stays or leaves after 2021 so he's the uh he's the fifth beetle on this one okay because uh you're talking about those four big free agents and then you're talking about um you're talking about theo epstein and the future of him in chicago after 10 years
0: yeah he he brought up the number one free agent target for me should they be able to spend and they'd only be able to spend if they you know, in addition to the Lester money, the Chatwood money, the Quintana money, they might have to trade either Baez or Bryant, get that number off the books, and get that impending free agency off well, the books. But DJ LeMahieu, who they traded away for Ian Stewart at the beginning, has evolved into a guy with a little bit of power, but a truly great contact hitter, and uh, which would just be a tremendous boon to this lineup. There is, uh, you know, there's a few guys like that out there. LeMahieu. Tommy LaStella, we remember him. Uh, Michael Brantley, some free agent types like that. I don't know if they can do any of it, though, financially, Bruce. I don't know if they can.
1: We'll see. Uh, you know, again, uh, it, it, you're you're going to have to be, you know, the most important people in the offseason for Major League Baseball teams are their accountants hmm. and uh, what what the revenues are all about. What can they spend? What must they uh, trade off or move off uh, to survive not knowing uh, whether fans will be in the stands again and that revenue uh, being uh, dealt with. And, and we know that the Cubs, more than any team in baseball, maybe outside of the the Red Sox, are uh, dependent uh, solely, you know, maybe two-thirds to three-quarters of their revenues coming in from uh, that particular fan day experience uh, each game where they fill up the ballpark. So. From all of that, uh, we we will not know what Theo will be able to do, but it's going to be interesting to hear him on Monday.
0: He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. Ron Coomer, Top of the hour, you'll hear from Ricky Renteria, and you'll hear some criticism of Ricky Renteria, uh, impassioned by uh, one of the TV broadcasters as well. You'll hear all of that before eleven o'clock on Inside the Clubhouse here on six seventy The Score. was well, just the start of something, you know. I think it was a good, you know, uh, for us to get in. You know, the guys got a taste of it. And uh, I think it's just going to make them more hungry to, uh, you know, to get back there. And uh, we, we battled today. You know, I couldn't be more happy and proud of you know, the way we fought. And uh, I know that we gave our all. You know, it's just a tough one to swallow, but we got to keep going. You know, it's just the start of something that, you know, that could be great. That is White Sox leadoff man Tim Anderson talking about how this playoff appearance was just the start of something. Frustrating, but he couldn't be prouder. And uh, that's quite a playoff debut for Tim Anderson on multiple levels, isn't it, Bruce Levine?
1: It is, and especially because of the way that uh, you know his season. He you know in the last three weeks of the season, his batting average dropped off uh, like forty points. Uh, he was in a bad slump. You could tell he was in between with his swing, indecisive. That's not Tim Anderson. Uh, and uh, you know just the. You know, the, the importance of him being at the top of the order doing his thing is so evident uh, this year, Matt, because when he was out with an injury, they failed to uh, put up runs. When he was slumping, it became difficult for them to score runs. He is truly uh, the energizer, the guy that gets things going for the Chicago White Sox. There's there's no question about it. Just his overall demeanor, not, not just uh, the way that he delivers base hits and improved his play at shortstop. But just the, the overall vibe of uh, him being pretty much the the face of the Chicago White Sox organization now is uh, really important to, to how this team performs on a daily basis.
0: Absolutely. And uh, to show up and... Talk some smack in a good-natured way, which is who he is, about yeah, they're starting to lefty, they didn't do their homework, and then to deliver with three hits right away, nine hits in the three games. This is the first MLB player ever to have nine hits in his first three career playoff games. It's uh, it, it's it's pretty remarkable. Um, and, uh, you know, it's—and Abreu had a good showing, too, except for that, ooh, that brutal double play uh, late in in Game 3. But overall, it's just a very different feeling uh, for the White Sox than it is for the Cubs. We've got a call. Don and Glen Ellen uh, is up now on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel here on the Score. Good morning, Don. Thank you for taking. Thank you for taking my call. I'd like to see the Cubs trade Contreras and try to sign sign McCann if it's possible. Who's a free agent from the Sox? What do you think of that? Oh, James McCann uh, to the North Side. Hmm.
1: You do not do not like Contreras. Is that it?
0: Don, not a Contreras fan. I'm a Contreras fan. It's just I think he should just retrade it, you know. Hmm. Okay,
1: All right. Thanks for the call, Don. James McCann is going to make some money on an open market this year. And we're going to get into that a little bit uh, in the 10 o'clock hour as we continue to talk Cubs, but uh, concentrate on the White Sox. Uh, significantly, as well, and some of the moves that they might be making. And uh, McCann is uh, certainly an interesting free agent out there because the improvement of the Chicago White Sox young pitchers and uh, just his overall game has been so uh, important for the Chicago White Sox over the last two years. Uh, if anything, just isolated to what he's meant to Lucas Giolito and catching him on a daily, you know, every five game basis. So uh McCann is going to make some money. I doubt that it's going to be with the Chicago White Sox.
0: I'm a fan. I'm I'm a fan for all the reasons you just said, Bruce. The work he did with the young pitchers and also just how he took this kind of, you know, this not a slap in the face, but it sure is a slap in the value to have them go out and sign Yasmani Grandal and he just he showed up and worked so hard and 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 by the end of the year Multiple guys were very uh, clear that they wanted to pitch to James McCann, and and got and he got the chance to do so, and and he produced. So I um I, I'm a fan. I but you, you don't think it'll be here, huh?
1: No, I I don't. And we'll go into more detail on that uh, okay. in our uh, White Sox segment. The Ron Coomer coming up next on our show. We'll talk a little bit about. The uh, end of the Cubs season, what's in the future? At uh, 10.45 today, special guest, the newest Hall of Famer, Ted Simmons, will join us to talk about his former teammate, the late Bob Gibson, who passed away uh, yesterday at the age of 84. Um, Nothing is more relevant or or thought about more than uh, Sandy Koufax and Bob Gibson when we get around to fall and dominant pitchers who pitched in postseason and made a huge impact. So uh, the passing of Bob Gibson will be talked about with uh, Ted Simmons at 1045 as well. That,
0: that's outstanding. I saw that MLB Network today at 1.30 Eastern, 12.30 Central is replaying the 17 strikeout World Series start from Bob Gibson. If you're looking for a little baseball buzz with no big league games today, you can watch Gibson strike out 17 in a World Series game at 12.30. Yeah, a, I think Launch Angle
1: wasn't invented yet, right? I mean,
0: <laughs> but not, well, I don't know. Ted was doing it. Ted was doing Launch Angle, right? Before yeah, that. we'll
1: get to so. talk to him about that. Uh, obviously, the, uh, going into the Hall of Fame this year, even though there wasn't an induction, his induction will be part of the 2021 Hall of Fame uh, group. Um, everybody put on hold like everyone else in this uh, pandemic era.
0: Inside the Clubhouse continues next hour on 670 The Score. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. Ron Coomer joins us next. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New
1: iPhone 15s? It's better over
0: here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch